You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I always wanted to do that, man. I always wanted to do that. I really did. I feel like, uh, I don't know, some of you might have watched the football game. There was a football game on yesterday, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I feel like a running back. I'm at the 20. They called my number. I'm out of the, now I got to say something. I got to take the ball. I got to take it and I got to punch it in. I got to make the touchdown, right? That's what I feel like right now. So I'm a little excited, a little sweaty, but Lance was the only one who knows that. And uh, other than that, wow, um, as I start things and push buttons, don't worry about me, uh, it's good to be home. No, seriously, it's good to be home. Uh, one of the things with this preaching pool that he talked about was uh, I get the ability, I'm really blessed. He sends me out to places. I get to preach in Bonneville, I get to go and preach up at the lake and there's just lots of places I get to talk. And it's invigorating. More than you'd ever know. I know some of you might think, okay, don't look there. Um, <laughs> it's a little, you know, perspiring. But it is an invigorating thing to be able to share what God is talking to you about. So most people say that once you get up here, you're supposed to start with a joke. That's the first thing he taught me. Well, I'm not most people. And I'm not starting with a joke. I'm starting with a white screen. Man, that's brilliant, eh? I don't even know what the title of this message is. Isn't that even more brilliant? But you see, for me, the fun is kind of gone this week. Because somebody that I wouldn't say I looked up to, but somebody who always brought me a lot of fun decided that this was a good week to take his life. His name's Robin Williams. Um, how many of you have ever heard that name? Look around. Tons of people put their hand up, say, yeah, I got it. So there's a couple of things that kind of brought this about. That's the first, the second one, really. The first one was Ben. He sat up here and did my whole 40 days in the desert sermon. So I hate to tell you this, you might get the backup sermon. So this is it. But as I was thinking about Robin, I just couldn't quite understand how somebody who had so much, award-winning actor, extremely funny guy, yeah, he had some struggles with a few demons. I mean, we all have struggles, don't we? How could a guy who really didn't seem on the outside to have a whole lot of problem financially a A1 offering, what do you think he put in the plate? Million bucks? He's he got it all. He doesn't have to struggle. He doesn't have to work. I mean, he, at this point in his career, he doesn't have to do anything. He can just sit back on a beach in Hawaii and enjoy the show. But how does a guy like that come to a decision to take himself out of the picture? 
See, I don't know. I, I am home. I know a lot of you. I don't know a lot of you extremely well. That's my first problem. Because I know that in a room this big, I would guess close to half of us have dealt with that. Either in our past, maybe we're dealing with it right now, or maybe it's to come. You see, Robin lost hope. And he thought the only way to fix his problem was to take himself out of the equation. Well, we all struggle with demons. So how do we not get to that place? The first thing you have to understand is one thing. God does care for you. Do you get that yet? You see, because if you lose that, what do you got? Struggles come, things happen. So, man, I was searching for the meaning of life this week, and I found the meaning of life in another little film. It's called City Slickers. And good old Curly says, do you know what the secret of life is? This. One thing? Just one thing. You stick to that, and the rest doesn't mean expletive. But what is the one thing? That's what you have to find out. You see, life is simple. It's all about one thing. And most people, I've kind of already kind of told you what the one thing is. But if you lose sight of the one thing, that brings you to the place where Robin got to. The one thing. So what are you going to do? What is your meaning of life? What is the one thing? Well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you an idea. First thing that you have to hold on to with everything. You see, the one thing comes in multiple parts. The first part is real simple. God will never leave you or forsake you. Do you got that? The other part of it is this. God has built you with a plan and a purpose. See, I'm looking out and everybody's staring at the screens, they're staring at me, they're staring at everything, but I don't know if you really got this yet. So everybody stand up. We're going to play some Pentecostal game. We're going to have a little fun, see what we can do. Yeah, I know, Mr. Watt, I'm sorry, it's hard to get up. Now turn this way, everybody. I know some of you are going to look at the wall. I get that. At the top of your lungs, say this. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Are you ready? One, two, three. God will never leave you nor forsake me. Okay, turn the other way. Now, y'all said you, you should say me, because it's personal. Ready? One, two, three. God will never leave me nor forsake me. Turn to the back. Yeah, I know. Crazy. You see, this is how I get to see you every week. Nice shiny heads, because I'm up in that booth. One, two, three. Y'all get that yet? Turn around to face front. 
When you stand in the face of trouble, what do you say? You guys get that yet? You sure? I hope so. You can all sit down. There's a little scripture that says you must hide the word in your heart. For all of you who don't know, that's the word. One is Hebrews 13.5, the other is Romans 12.2. If you were all here last week, Ben talked about how when in the face of everything, God responded with the word. Troubles will come. Things will happen. At some point, you've got to stand up, you've got to look at the trouble, and you've got to say, God is never going to leave me or forsake me, no matter what happens. He has got me. And you've got to trust in that. Now, that's where the difficulty comes. You've got to trust in that. See, the last time I was here to speak, I talked about a little thing called V is for victory. And what I talked about was real simple. I talked about learning and understanding who you are in Christ. Not what mama tells you, not what papa tells you, not what your parents tell you, not what you have to be. 100% for sure as to who you are in him. Sorry, I'm looking for Grant right now. I love Grant. You see him up on that stage? Grant comes connected with the guitar every week. But you know what? Grant went through some trouble. And what did he do when they were at Ronald McDonald House? He pulled out his guitar and he played. And he played and he played and he played and he played. Because you know what? Grant knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God blessed him with the ability to play that guitar. And when things get bad, that's how we can hold on to them. I love the man. You see, that's how it works. You have to find not what people tell you, but what you know, you know, you know is from him. Now, I'm not going to belabor this anymore because you know what? I already did a sermon on it. Check out the podcast, whatever you need to do. But if there was one person... You see, here's how it works. And I'm sorry, Jay, I'm going to drink something, so you might want to not have them hear this. Thanks, man. So, you see, if anybody would have trouble in life, I think it's going to be one guy Jesus. Here's a question Did any of you ever realize that it was? 30 before Jesus did anything. 30 years before he did anything. Do you think that he ever had some time when he was down on his knees saying, Dad, what the heck? I don't get this. But you know what happened when he did that most of the time? His father came in. Which father? See? Scary, isn't it? His heavenly father, his dad probably came in and said, well, what's your problem? Help me out. I'll help you out. Because he's a dad. Dads do that, right? 
But this is the thing. For 30 years, he never did anything. Don't you think, how many of you, okay, I'm going to just, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or anything like that. I work in a school division. I work for kids. I have one person that I worked with who was in teaching for over 30 years. Every year she lost one kid. Now, that means that it's like her average was one kid a year. So in her 10 years as a teacher, she lost 30 kids that from that school died. Took their life, car crashes, blah, 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 you name it. 30 kids in the school. I will bet that. I know it happened to me twice. We had two kids in my high school commit suicide. We had four other kids who tried to gas themselves down in a, didn't realize what they were doing. They went down in a coal seam. One of them came out. Three of them didn't. Um, I think we've all been touched in those early years by death. And I don't think that was any different for Jesus. I really don't. I don't think he went to school and then all of a sudden some kid died. He's 15 years old, comes home. I'm just making this part up, but ride with me with it. He comes home and he says, you know, I can save him. I can just walk down the street and say, Lazarus, please come out. And the kid would come. Why did it take 30 years for him to get up and go and save Lazarus or more? You see, we all think that God has forgot us at times. If we don't get what we want in 10 minutes, we think God has forgot us. 30 years, the author and creator of the universe on this earth before he did something. So you think the 10 minutes that you're waiting, the five years that you're waiting is anything? See, God is building Jesus that whole time. So Jesus knew who he knew who he knew when he stepped in that to be baptized that he knew he was the son of the great one. Catch it yet? You see, I love many, many people. And I hear many, many things. And one of the things I hear is this. I pray, and it seems like the heavens are brass. Why am I not getting through? And sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? The more I put down, the more I try, the more, the more, the more, the less that it comes. But Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So how do we sometimes feel like we're not getting an answer? I'm going to tell you a Catholic joke. You can't laugh. I go to Catholic school. Yes, I know. I'm like 43 years old. I've never left school. I went from school to school. Anyhow, I'll tell you that story later. So here's my joke. There's a man shows up at the gates to talk to St. Peter. And he says to St. Peter very quietly, why did God not save me? How did I get to the pearly gates? And Peter has to take a double take. He looks at the guy, he goes, so when you rejected the fireman who told you to evacuate, was that God? 
when the policeman came in the police boat and said, hey, dude, you're on the like, second floor. Do you want to get in my boat? I'll take you. And you rejected him. And when the final helicopter came over and you were standing on your roof and you waved them off because there was somebody else who needed saving, or so you thought, was that not God? You see, when we get into these places where the heavens are brass, maybe we're looking for the wrong answer. Dude got the answer three times. And he rejected everyone. And said, nope. I know things are tough. I know that things get tough. I get it. You've got to remember the beginning. You cannot remember, you can't forget number one. And what's number one? I know one thing. See, y'all forgot. Very good. You will never leave me or forsake me. When times get tough, you've got to hold on. See, Robin lost the plot. He forgot to hold on. But sometimes, sometimes it's just not enough. You ever felt that? The more you stand up, the more you say, he's never going to leave me or forsake me. You walk out and it's like, dude, you just did. And then you, say, and you keep going. He's never going to. He's never going to. And you stand on it, but it's just not enough. You come back and you just you keep fighting for it. Never, ever, ever surrender. Never lay down your guns. And that's the biggest gun you got. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Sometimes it gets really, really tough, and you got to dig in, and you got to fight. Notice I didn't say run to the fight. I said dig in, get strong, and prepare for the fight. I have a friend, and I, when I was just fresh in Christianity, I'd, he was one of the many mentors, many people who had come through my life who taught me a lot. And I watched him, and I watched how he did it. And it seemed like it didn't matter what somebody would say, he would always have a response. Most of the time it was the word. And I thought, gee whiz, man, like seriously? So one day I sat down with him and I said, like, how do you do it? How do you run at, I don't know, he was probably 70 at that time, running a full farm, doing the whole thing, did a bunch of horse stuff, big in the business, in the Christian Businessmen's Council. He was all over that. He was all over a ton of stuff. And I kind of looked at him and I said, how do you continue to do this? Because I don't get it. And he looked at me very plainly and he said, because I will never ever stop and I'm just like well he won't ever ever stop big deal what does that mean and he's like he made I was going to call it a pact it wasn't a pact but he made a decision with God that he would never ever not preach the gospel if someone asked he would preach it 
He'd preach it with a guitar. He'd preach it on the back of his horse. He'd preach it wherever it was. But he and God had a pact. He would never, ever stop. And I said, dude, like that's impossible. How do you do it every day? Because you got to get empty. You got to get... He said, yeah, I get tired. Sure, I get tired. Yeah, I get this. But when I'm the tiredest is when he's the best. Because I step out to do what I do. If I'm doing it in my strength, it's worthless. If I'm doing it in his strength, it's powerful. So when I get tired, I know he's going to do a work. He's going to do another work. And I thought, wow, that's like revolutionary stuff. And then he said the other thing that was very, very, very impactful. I do not know the time nor the hour of my death. And I do not want to go to the pearly gates ever and stand up there and say, I know yesterday that 12-year-old girl that you wanted me to tell about you, I didn't do it because I was tired. Think about that. How many of us have played the tired card? I'm not full. I'm not this. I know I have. That's not what God wants. Because you don't know. And I'm not, this isn't the old trepidation, tomorrow the world's going to end story. But you don't know when the end is coming. You don't. So tomorrow, you might not wake up. Kid in my, kid in my kid's class. Dad went to bed. But just going on a year now. Never woke up. Think he planned it? Nope. Had a heart attack in his sleep. Forty-some years old. Done. You don't know. So as I thought about Johnny, and I mean, Johnny's gone on to see the Lord. I know for a fact that when he went, he rode up to the pearly gates because that's Johnny. He's on his horse. And he said, I don't got to say nothing. I'm in. Rode right through, and he's waiting on the other side for when I come to say, son, let's go. And he's going to take me, plus a few other people, to see the king. I know that. You see, I know that I know that I know who I am. And trouble does come. You see, we have to decide if we want to live in a world of fear or if we want to live in a world of faith. People may ask you to do stuff that's outside of your comfort zone. I'm not going to lie to you, it happens all the time. But my friend Johnny would never ever turn anybody down. I asked him, he's like 60s, late 60s, early 70s, I asked him as a youth pastor to come out to the lake and play his guitar for us. Little did I know, he didn't know no rock and roll. He only knew the old country music twanging banjo kind of stuff. Did I know that? Nope. Did he say no? Nope. Did he show up? Yep. After he finished playing, did I see about four or five girls go and talk to him? Because not that he was anything great. God had anointed him. And those girls had to talk to him about some things that they weren't going to talk to me about. See, the anointing flew th flowed through him, but he didn't, 
fear the fact that I'm going to go in front of a bunch of teenage kids who want to hear the old recophone, all this fancy, jangled, rock and roll kind of stuff. I didn't fear him. He didn't care. He just put on his boots and came. This is me. That's what we have to do. See, the things that frighten you at night are two things. For me, most of the times, the stuff that keeps me up at night, that keeps me awake and frightened, is stuff that I need to go do, that God has told me to do, that I've kind of left on the side for a while. See, I was up till 2 a.m. doing this. This is my fifth sermon, because Ben stole my first one. But <laughs> it's okay, it's great. But that keeps me up at night. Why does it keep me up at night? Because it frightened me. It frightens, you guys are, like, there's a lot of you. To stand up here and look at you, there's a lot of shiny faces that want me to tell them something. That's kind of scary. But I have a choice. Do I live in fear? Or do I live in faith? Have you ever noticed one thing? Living alive. Look at how close they are. See how closely related they are? One letter. How many of us want to feel alive? Come on, get them up. Guess what? To feel alive, you must live. Simple, huh? But, you know, Kurt... God, he doesn't use me anymore. He's put me on the shelf. I don't, it's just not what, you know what? Nuh-uh. If you're standing here thinking God's not using you, you are completely wrong. I'm going to tell you one more story. I can't tell you all the specific details of it because it came from a counselor. This is his story. So technically, when you go see a counselor, they can't tell you the names and all that stuff, right? Because they have to keep it in confidence. This is his story. This relates to me because I work in school. Jock, football player, I don't know who he was. Grade 11 kid walks up to his locker one day and opens his locker just like he's done every other day at the end of school. Goes to take his books out, goes to take his stuff out. The girl who's in the locker beside him, she's been there all the time. He hasn't ever noticed. But she's unpacking the locker. He doesn't notice what she's doing, other than the fact that a couple of books fall on the ground. He reaches over and picks up the books and hands them to her. Very insignificant, isn't it? Completely insignificant. Remember the fact that I got this story from a counselor. Who do you think's telling the story? You got it, the girl. Why do you think the girl's telling this story to a counselor? Because of this. She was going home to kill herself that day. 
She had made a pact when she walked out of the school, walked to school that morning. If no one was nice to me this day, I'm going to kill myself. She was unpacking everything out of her locker to take it home. Everything to take it home so her mama wouldn't have to come and unpack her locker at the end of it. She was going home. The last minute, she drops a book. This guy picks it up and hands it to her. Someone was nice to me today. I can't kill myself. Think dude in the locker ever knew that he did that? He just lived life. I'm going to do a nice thing. I'm going to pick up a book and I'm going to hand it to the person next to me. Is that all it takes to save a life? Really? In this case, that's all it took. A simple act of random kindness. See, we all think that for God to use us, it needs to be something big and flashy. You got to be a Moses. You got to go to the mountain, come down with the tablets. Now God used me. Everybody's got this opinion that it's got to be huge. Guess what? Pick up a book. Hand it to somebody. God may just have saved them. And they used you to do it. Scary, isn't it? This is the part that we have to hold on to. Things are going to come and things are going to be terrible. Even in a terrible time, you've got to hold on to him. And you've got to continue to live your life out loud. You've got to continue to live the life out loud. Because if you don't, other things may come. You just got to hold on. If you find you can't hold on by yourself, find some people around you and let them know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can't do it alone. I can't live my life today. It's just too much for me. If that person does anything other than give you the counsel of God, don't go back. Don't ever go back. You need God 110% and 100 miles an hour. You need to find out who you are in Christ, and you have to remember that He's got a perfect plan for your life, a perfect and awesome plan for your life. And all it takes is for you to pick up a book and hand it to somebody. You can save a life. Do you get that? Don't be afraid to live your life out loud. Really don't. Because that's when it's the best. This guy on the screen, I have a few minutes, so I'm going to tell you his story. This guy's name is Stephen Curtis Chapman. I'm thinking about seven years now, maybe a little less. His son backed over his daughter and killed her. How do you not feel resentment toward that son every time you look at him and know that he was the one who took your daughter's life? How do you not do it? Were times easy for him? Never. Never, ever were the times easy for him. I cannot even imagine what that would be like to every day do it. I watched him on a program with his son. And he was talking about how much he still loves him. 
And the guy even asked him how to, and Stephen did not have any idea on how to answer that question. But he doesn't. It was an accident. Things happen. Does he know his daughter is with the king? Does he know he's going to be able to be there with her? You bet. Tough times come, but he stayed rooted. He just released a new album not that long ago, a couple weeks ago maybe. Still sings about God, still sings about the things that are going on in his life. Tough times come. Dig in. Love on him. And with that, he's going to fulfill a plan. Because you know what? His story becomes so much bigger now. I know death is horrible. But his story becomes so much bigger now. Because people want to know it. How do you not do this? How do you not do that? How do you not do this? And what does he get to do? He gets to give an account for the hope that lies with him. Hmm. Because when you lose your hope, can't tell you where you're going to be. This is Stephen. Enjoy your day. Be blessed. If you want some prayer, come on, see us. We'll talk to you. We got lots of people who are going to come pray. If not, live your life out loud. Really, seriously. Grab it and have a great day. by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.